Hey, welcome to the Victory Family Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Everybody, get in a small group. I love what Nancy said. My, I learned my true identity, which is my new identity in Christ. And this world's trying to define us for anything but who God says you are. So I encourage everybody, get in a small group. Get with people that can walk with you through life, help you grow in your relationship with God, but also to have people that can encourage you. It's not a place where people see through you, but to see you through. That's what it's about, is so that you don't have to put on a mask. You really get to go, and whatever the small group topic is, to connect with people, be with people that are just going to walk with you through life. And it makes a very large church very small when you do that. And plus, it's a place where you can get care and very intimate care. So please take advantage of that and, and get connected to a small group. I want to take a minute and, of course, welcome Newcastle and Meadville and our online audience. We love you guys so much. Would you welcome them, Cranberry? We love you all. Thank you, Lord. We're so grateful for you. One church, multiple locations, and, just, and God is doing more and more all the time. You know, this, uh, this, this weekend, we celebrate a, a very difficult anniversary in our nation, the 20th anniversary of 9-11. For many of us, we were alive at that time, and it was one of those moments where you remember where you were. But there's a whole generation that has been raised post 9-11. And so I want to pray today over several groups of people and over our nation. The first group is, of course, those who actually lost their loved ones on 9-11. Uh, because it isn't just a horrible anniversary to them. It's very real and has been that way for 20 years. And then those in the military who have fought for our freedom these 20 years that have protected our our nation and those who have lost their lives, those who have been injured and terribly maimed, but but made these type of sacrifices. And in 20 years, because of their sacrifice, we have not had one terror attack from outside of our country come to our soil because of their diligence and their sacrifice. Aren't you grateful for the military? So grateful for them. And if you ever wonder about the military, where they're at in the Bible, the scripture calls those who bear the sword in judgment for righteousness sake, ministers of God. And so uh, I thank God for those who have made that type of sacrifice. Then I want to pray for each one of you and generally, of course, for our nation. And here's the reality that we're living in, in such difficult times and dark times. And sometimes it can just seem like, well, I just need to hide and and get through this and get to heaven somehow we can make it somehow through this but I want to pray for you to understand that in this hour that you are not called to walk by everything you feel and see but you're called to walk by faith you are called to truly be the hope of the world Christ in you the hope of glory not just to you but to the world around you Jesus is the only hope of the world that makes you the only hope of the world and my hope today as I pray and as we enter into this this time particularly these next three weeks, is something I I have it so deeply in my heart to share with you, that you'll step into an unseen realm and not be bound by everything you feel and everything you see because today feelings are the God of people. It's the lie of the generation. How you feel is who you are, and it's not true. Feelings should not be denied and ignored, but it is not who you are. So let me pray over you and speak life over you, pray over our nation and all of these areas of which I mentioned. Father, we come into your presence. We're aware this weekend is such a difficult anniversary in this nation where evil, in the name of a God, a false God, demonically inspired people, murdered people in the name of of a false God. And Lord, it brought such devastation to so many. 
and the, and the world changed that we knew it and as we knew it in this nation that day. But you didn't change at all. And we thank you for the, the graciousness of our God in the midst of difficulty. We pray for the families today that this weekend was just another marker of, of the unimaginable for the military families that today have made un, un, unimaginable sacrifices to protect this nation. And I pray for your people that they would not just join into the natural fights of whatever they can do and with opinions and otherwise, but that we would realize that we are called to release on this earth the power of God to a world that is trapped in darkness, to a world that is undone and without Christ, to a world that will be hell-bound and not heaven-bound. Open our eyes today, Father, to see what we can't see with physical eyes. Help us to see into the realm where you are, the, the realm that is spiritual, that it lasts forever, that created this realm so that we could please you and we could be in this earth and know you intimately and as your word declares, be strong in this world and do great exploits. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you today about releasing angel armies. Releasing angel armies. And I'll talk a little bit about what angels are and aren't in a minute. But I want, my hope is today to show you there is a realm that is available to every believer that you get the decision of whether you release those angel armies or you restrict them. And I want you to see today, it's my hope, that you understand that it really isn't God that's making that decision. It's our choice of what we do with what he said. Uh, on August the 11th, which is a was a Wednesday night, we have prayer here every Wednesday night. It starts at 7, it's finished at 8. I was leading that Wednesday night. I'll be here this Wednesday night leading uh, uh, prayer. And that Wednesday night, I, you may or may not understand this, so I don't have time to give it context, but we had fallen in what the, we would call a spirit of prayer where just everybody was just praying out of their heart, praying in the spirit, praying with their understanding. And it was just the presence of God was there. We were praying for you and praying for the, the things that God led us to pray. And we do that. It's here every Wednesday night and available to you. And so uh, uh, I, while I'm praying, I'm literally standing right here praying. And I, I, I'm a little ADD. Actually, I'm a lot ADD. And so even when the worship team comes back on, everyone can play except the drummer. Because if the drummer starts going, I, 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 can't, I just go. And, and I can't stop. It's just like, bird. Woo. You know, that's just like, I got, anybody got the issues? My only one got the issues. Okay, I got the issues. And uh, so I'm a little ADD and I'm praying and a lot of ADD. I want to be honest. We're in the house of Jesus. Hallelujah. And, and so Newcastle, anybody ADD there? Meadville, come on. Just make me feel good, okay? I just feel, feel terribly insecure right about now. Just give me a moment. I'll be okay. Now I'm back. No, no, seriously, listen. I'm praying. We're in the service. Just praying it out. And I feel like someone just walked up on the platform, which wouldn't matter, but it just distracted me. So I kind of looked over. Nobody was there. And I thought, well, they must have walked around the back. And I just went back to praying. It was purely natural. And, and I felt that again. I said, oh, you know, when you sense somebody's walking uh, and just, just kind of looked up and nobody was there again. And I thought, well, okay. And, and it happened again. And, and, and I'm not upset about it. I, there's no problem with it. I'm just distracted. And so I thought, well, I'm going to obey the Bible. You know, when Peter... In the garden, that whole thing, when Jesus said, watch and pray. Yeah, okay, never mind. You'll get that on the way home. I thought I'd open my eyes this time. So I literally stood over here, and I just kind of looked in this direction. And I thought, well, you know, this, this will get my mind at peace, and I can just go back to praying. 
And so I'm standing there and I'm kind of just waiting to see. And the exact same thing happens, but I have my eyes open. And literally where I'm standing right now, I, I sensed like I was standing beside somebody. Now, I, I don't like to exaggerate experiences because experiences that aren't rooted in what God says really are not much value. And, and I, I didn't see anything. I didn't hear words. But I knew if you, see, if you know how to walk with God out of your inward man, because your inward man is a spirit being, you will be able to perceive things that God is doing that you can't see with your eyes. Now, I've been in hundreds, thousands of times in prayer. This never happened in my life. I wasn't expecting it, wasn't thinking about it. And while I was standing there, I knew in my heart that I was standing by an angel. And it was a little overwhelming. I thought, Lord, what, what is this? Why, what, what's going on? I, I knew that was happening. At first, I just thought it was purely a natural feeling, but it was something I was sensing in my heart. I know angels aren't size. And they're not they're spiritual beings but the sensing to me was that his head would have been about the top of the screen behind me about 20 feet tall but the most important distinction that I knew in my heart of the being that I was standing beside is that his arms were folded and he was kind of just leaning back in a resting position and now we're in a prayer meeting I'm just praying it the whole time and this is going off inside my heart and so the Holy Spirit begins to stir in my heart and 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 there are two places you get information from your, from your natural mind and from your inward man. And this position has nothing to do with what you've learned here. And, and if you walk with God and you learn to flow and pray and spend time with God, you'll know the difference. And these words, these thoughts, if you will, were coming up out of my inward man, not here, wasn't originating here. So I, was, I didn't have a mic like this, I had a handout. So I reached over to here and I grabbed my phone and just hit the record thing. And I spoke the words that were coming up out of my heart. Now these words, I'm going to take the next several weeks and I'm going to explain to you from the scripture where this was coming from. And I want you to understand, God deals with me as an individual just like he deals with you. Because I, I have no different walk with God than you do. I just have a different calling than some of you, that's all. But what he was dealing with me about was not for me personally. It was for my responsibility in serving you. And so I knew it was direction. And these are the things that came up out of my heart. I'm just going to read it to you. And then we're going to go into God's word today, the next, the next couple of weeks. And I want to help you to release angel armies in your life. And so that the angel that God has for you isn't doing this, but that he actually is active. And I want you to see it in the scripture. So here's what, here's what I wrote. It came up out of my heart. And I just have written it down from what I recorded. And again, remember, he's speaking to me, I know, as a pastor and my responsibility. He said that there would be no division among you, meaning the people I serve, that you must all speak the same thing. When you speak the same thing that I have said, you agree with heaven and it will release angelic armies. Now, remember, the context is what I know what I'm standing beside. As in the old covenant, I said, my angel will drive out the inhabitant of the land. And based on the faith of the unbelief of the people, not my will, the angel's hands would either be tied or loosed to do my will. You must all speak the words of life, agree with my words, and walk by faith and not by sight. And it will release angelic armies upon your nation. Even now, demonic hosts have raised up their heads to destroy this land. And those under their dominion are speaking the same thing. 
And like the Tower of Babel, nothing now will be withheld from them. But there is a wave of angel armies that will come and minister on the behalf of the heirs of salvation. Those that will walk by faith and not by sight. You see, I've been speaking, if you come to victory, about division for several weeks, praying about these things. And when, I, and when God in the word talks about speaking the same thing, and we'll go into this more next week, he's not talking about agreement of opinion and agreement about this and that and saying what God, what, what, what is said that we can all agree on, on the superficialities of life. He's saying that you will speak the same thing, the scripture in this context says, that you would make my purpose and speak what I once said as one voice in the earth. Because you see, in the, in the scripture, it shows us that when people come together, great or evil things can happen. And what he was referring, that the world in which we're living today, those under the tyranny of darkness, those that are trapped without Christ in the earth, without hope in the earth, without a covenant with God, that are not heaven-bound but hell-bound, have come together in a unity that leaves the church in the dust. They are saying and speaking the same things about some of the most insane and absurd things that you have to be fully blinded to be able to utter with, with confidence, let alone agree upon. 20 years ago, the things I'm about to mention, nobody would have, would have even uttered them without thinking, you, you, you probably need to get some help. And I don't want you to think I'm being critical of anybody I'm not. When you're blind, you can't see. And the Bible said the God of this world has blinded the minds of those referring to Satan and his kingdom. It's blinded the minds of those which believe not, not, lest they would see the light of the glorious gospel. So I'm not being critical. But I want you to see that the world has come together and the church is getting divided more and more, fighting over many, many things. And I won't go into that today. But today, it is so, so insane and unity has come around such brokenness and insanity that political figures are actually correcting their speech by saying things like this well she gave birth to a woman and they stop and go no a person gave birth because i i don't want to be offensive to a man who may give birth i'm thinking you know i didn't do really well in school i actually cheated a lot on my tests in high school Okay, I'll come to this side, you judgmental people. I'm just telling the truth. And I cheated on tests, man. Now listen, when you're in school, they give you an F. When you get out of school, you learn from other people, they give you an A. That doesn't justify it, but I was practicing. That's all it was. And so I wasn't, you know, I'm not a, I wasn't the greatest student in the world, but I kind of, I don't know, I'm aware that I don't think I can give birth. I just don't think I can. But the thought would be, but if you are, now listen, a woman you have a woman's body but you think you're a guy that you can give birth and when you give birth a man gave birth that's a special kind of crazy no it really is now it's one thing for a select group and a group maybe that are just trapped in the dark to hold that view but there's a unity coming around that insanity the tower of babel in the old testament they were building an edifice to replace god a protection place and god said now because they've come of one voice Nothing that they've decided to do will be withheld from them. That's the power of one voice, even for evil. So God confounded their languages and they no longer could build. The enemy of your soul and my soul has confounded the language of God's people. And I want you to see the outcome, that it has trapped us to a realm where we could only fight with our own strength. 
And the realm and the battles that we fight in this life will never be won with human strength. And I want to help you today to see that. First, what is an angel anyway? Because there's a lot of nonsense about angels. Some of the books I've seen about angels is like, it's like a fairy tale. Well, you know, Uncle Bob died and he's an angel now and he grew his wings. Uncle Bob ain't no angel. Uncle Bob is Uncle Bob and angels are angels. They are two different entities and beings and, if you will, spiritual species, if you want to, whatever you want. Uncle Bob is not on a cloud playing a harp, grew wings. She's an angel now. No, she's not. That's not what angels are. So what are angels? What are they for? What are they called to do? The book of Hebrews in the New Testament tells us exactly what angels are and what they do. Listen to what Hebrews 1.14 says. Are angels not all ministering spirits sent forth from whom? From God. Sent forth to minister. Now listen to these words. For those who are the heirs of salvation. Now I want you to grasp that. God said angelic beings in the earth are here to minister on the behalf for those that are the heirs of salvation. That's very important. He didn't say those that are in the kingdom of God, those that are children of God. He said heirs of God. Every human being on earth has the opportunity to be born into the kingdom of God and be an heir of God. He said, my angels are on the earth to minister to people so that they can become heirs of God and they can assist my people in that work of winning people into the kingdom and there's something that happens and we'll get into this more next week I want you to see that angels have a job and an assignment but that job and assignment doesn't happen automatically I want you to understand that and they are here to move to rescue people the same way demonic influence which is real so I'm way too educated to believe in that then you're way too educated Jesus dealt with it. Jesus talked about it. Jesus spoke literally and dealt with those entities literally. And I trust him more than where you went to school. No offense. I'm not against education. But I, 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 I choose to take the words of Jesus over your professor who will die someday. Just a thought. If you consider them. But you have it your way until you're dead. I said that out loud. How many of y'all know? Whatever you think, when you see God, you're going to be like, shoot. <laughs> oh, really? No, I, well, I, don't, I want to agree with him while I live, right? Listen to what Jesus said about angels in Matthew 18. He said, see that you do not look down on these little ones or the children, because the disciples are like, get these kids away from us, Jesus. They're bothering us. He said, for I tell you that their angels possess a, their angels are in heaven always and see the face of my father in heaven. Jesus said every child has an angel. And there's nowhere in the Bible that says when you turn 18 or 21, they leave you. I want you to understand that there is a ministering spirit that has been assigned to your life, whether you love God or hate him. And he is either released to move and to minister on your behalf in every realm of human life. In the same way demonic influence will steal, kill, and destroy and inspire men and women to yield to steal, kill, and destroy. Angelic influence will bring life and life abundance. Through the years, people have asked Michelle and I when they see the breadth of what God has done in, in this church, and the presumption is that we either must be very smart or very spiritual, and neither one's true. 
what we've done is obeyed God and walked by faith. And it has released the power of God to do what no human can do. And he doesn't want to just do that in your calling or in the vocation or even in your work of the kingdom. He wants to do that in my everyday life. The question I keep asking myself over and over again since that night, is my angel doing this? Or is he released to do what God's called him to do in my life? It's very, very important. Because you have to understand that each of us have a choice of what we do with what God says. And that choice will rest in two of one, one of two areas. You will either live in unbelief, which the Bible calls evil. But I also want you to see today how normal it feels. Or it will rest in a spirit of faith. One of the other, one of the other, please understand this, is governing my life today in your life. In every area of my life, it is not gray, it is not subjective. In every area of my life on the planet, because every area of your life matters to God, I'm being governed by a spirit of unbelief or a spirit of faith. And the Bible literally says a spirit of unbelief will cause you, listen, to despise God's promise, even though you don't know that's what you're doing. Hebrews chapter 4, God speaks to us from the example of the old covenant. 1 Corinthians tells us again and again, and Hebrews tells us that the things that happened to the children of Israel in the, out of Egypt's bondage in the, in the desert were for our example. And I want you to see that the choice of whether God's will comes to pass on the earth, listen please, is not up to God, period. It is up to us if we yield to him. That's why you were called the body of Christ. You can get nowhere without your physical body any more than God without his body on the earth. Well, God can do anything he wants. No, he can't. He won't. The Bible said he can't lie. He can't change. And since he said, I'm going to work through you, he has limited himself to your obedience or mine. And that's why the earth is in the darkness that it is because people with the light are waiting for something out here to happen supernaturally when you are called the light of the world. And either a spirit of faith or unbelief is going to govern my life in your life in every sphere of my life. Listen to what he said in, in Hebrews 4, verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you should seem to come short of it. What is it? The promise. For indeed, the gospel of the good news was preached to us as well as to them. Now, them is referring to in the context of the children of Israel in the desert. Now, listen. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those that heard it. You have to mix faith with what God says, or it won't profit you. God promised the children of Israel a promised land when they were taken out of Egyptian bondage and slavery. He gave them his word that I will bring you to a land that in that vernacular flows with milk and honey. And that's basically saying, it's a great place, got all kinds of stuff. And he said, I'm going to bring you there. And they had to make a decision of whether they were going to obey God or disobey him. And they had to choose whether they would mix faith with what God said or walk in unbelief. And the outcome wasn't based on the promise. It was based on the choice of the hearer. And when you grasp that, it will change your spiritual dynamic in your life. Because most Christians think, well, it's in the Lord's hands. No, it isn't. 
No, it isn't. It is, certainly there are things in, in God's hands. Certainly the will of God is, is set in certain places in Scripture that are clear. But I can tell you again and again in Scripture, the will of God is not clear for me and you. You have to choose whether to believe and act on the word or not. Because the Bible said when you don't mix faith with what God says, it doesn't matter what God said over you. And the children of Israel, there were two million adults numbered. Ever hear the book of Numbers? That's what it is. They numbered, they did a census. That's the book of Numbers. And there were two million or so above the age of 20. And out of the two million above the age of 20, two families ended up getting the promise. The family of Joshua and Caleb. Everyone else died without the promise. Now, in today's world, here's what people would say. Their theology would say, well, that's just God's sovereignty. He really only had his will for those two families. It's not true. Every one of them had the promise of God. It was God's will for every one of them to inherit the promise. But out of two million people, two families made it because they mixed faith with the promise. So here's the question I have. Are you mixing faith with what God says over your life? Are you even aware of what he says over your life? That's why small groups are so important. Find out what he says. Mix faith with it. And it will take you into realms unimaginable. It will take you into powers, the power of God, angelic influence, unimaginable. And I want to help you to see that today. There is a reward of faith that releases angelic power. So let me take you into the scripture quickly. And then we're going to spend the next couple of weeks on this. This is a, a nation of slaves. They've been under Egyptian bondage. There's no one alive that was delivered from Egypt that knew freedom. They were generations now of slaves. So they leave Egypt. God parts the Red Sea. They go on dry ground. They're now in the desert. And though they had left Egypt, it was very hard to get Egypt to leave them. It's one of the most difficult things we do as Christians to decide which realm is going to govern our life. The one that we see, our experiences, our yesterday's sorrows and traps, our present feelings, or what God has said. So God, when they get on the other side, pulls Moses aside and he speaks to him about how to obtain the promised land. Let me read it to you. Exodus 23, God is speaking directly with Moses and he says this. See, I am sending an angel. Say that, an angel. I want you to get it. Only took one angel to do all this. One. I'm sending an angel ahead of you to guard you. Say out loud, guard you. How many of you would like to have your angel not like this when it comes to guarding you? How many of you would like that? I would. Ever heard the term guardian angel? It's, it's in the book. I'm, I've sent an angel ahead to guard you along the way and to bring you somewhere. To the place I have prepared. He's saying that if you're going to get where I've called you to be and promised you to be, I will have to guard you, I will have to bring you, and I will have to prepare it. Which means you don't get to do it, you have to receive it. He said, you pay attention to him, the angel, listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him, for he will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. Remember, angels only speak what God says, not their own will. If you listen carefully to what he says... And then listen how he now switches it and do all that I say. Then I will be an enemy to your enemy and I will oppose those who oppose you. How many of you would like to live life with God in that position in your life? I know I would. He said, and my angel will go ahead of you and will bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, Jebusites. Now listen, God said through the angel, I will cut them off and wipe them out. Nothing subjective about that. 
And so God gives them a promise if they obey what he says to do that it will release not a thousand angels, just one that will be able to, eventually, if you remember when they went to Jericho, just one angel flattened the entire city. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Do you understand that power source is available to you today? That God has assigned ministering spirits, angels, sent forth to minister for those who are the heirs of salvation. And in that time when I was standing right over here, knowing what I know in the scripture, and an angel was at a resting position, I thought, that's not good. What have we done to cause him to go at rest? Well, it's up to the Lord. No, it isn't. I want you to get this. It is not up to God what that angel does. That angel has already been given an assignment. It's what we do and choose to do that either ties his hands, keeping him at rest, or releasing him to do his calling and bidding in the earth. So in Exodus 24, Moses comes to the people and he tells them everything God said. I want you to see their response. Verse 23, when Moses went and told the people all the words and the laws, they responded with one voice and said, everything, everything, everything the Lord has said, we will do it. That was their, that was their position. We're going to honor God. We're going to do what God. You see, when, when you're standing on the other side of the Red Sea and you haven't faced your giants yet and God tells you you're going to face them and I'm going to do this for you. Yes, I'm in. I'm in. I'm all in. I'm all in. And and I don't believe they were being disingenuous. But when they got the opportunity to obey God in the midst and the presence of the giants, they believed the giants more than God. There are giants in every promise of God that awaits you and is called for you. your, Your land of promise, if you will, is inhabited with giants. And I must make a decision as a believer. Am I going to bow my knee and worship what I feel about and see and have experienced about the giants, or am I going to take what God said and act on his word? That will be the difference. So now they get to the edge of the promised land, and now God gives them, listen now, the choice of whether they will trust him or rebel against him. In Numbers 13, verse 1, God says to Moses, go send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I give. Say out loud, which I give. This is not uh, maybe so. I've already given the land to you. And from each tribe of the fathers, you send a man, every elite one, a leader among them. You remember this. You influence people. I don't care if you're a parent, a grandparent, if you're single, you have influence on people. And you are going to lead people as a Christian in either to a spirit of faith or be dominated by unbelief. And God calls one life, the other death. Now they return in the 26th verse of the same chapter. They returned, they came back, uh, departed, came back to Moses and Aaron. And the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh and brought back words to them. Please remember this. The way you talk will reveal what you believe. And I don't mean in some prayer corner. I'm talking about everyday life. How do you talk about your marriage? Is it based on how you feel? How do you talk about your relationships? How do you talk about your children? How do you talk about what's going on in the world today? Is it all based on what you feel, see, and experience? Or have you determined what God says about it and then humbled yourself and said, let God be true and every man a liar. Not only running around quoting scriptures to people, I just mean your everyday speech. They brought back words to them and to the congregation, showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we went to the land that you sent us. And man, truly, it's just like you said, flows with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Then he names all the people groups, Amalekites, Hittites, all the Vites, 
And they said, we, we can't do it. Now, didn't God tell them who would be there? Didn't God tell them how he would drive them out with one angel? And they said, we'll obey God. Well, they got there. Now, remember, these are slaves. They've never held a weapon in their life. They wouldn't know how to form an army. And God is saying, you are going to overcome cities that are walled and fortified with people that have trained armies. And you're going to do it by just going there. And I'm going to have an angel go ahead of you. Really? Can I ask you a question honestly? How normal would it have felt to come back and go, are you out of your mind? Do you know what we just saw? We can't do this. How are we going to do this? And the answer is they couldn't do it. But someone else had a different opinion and it wasn't based on human strength. In verse 30, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. Now, naturally speaking, he was lying. That wasn't true according to circumstances. Caleb was believing what God said. When he said all the words God said we will do, he meant it. He said, there's, there's all kind of stuff up there. But let me tell you something. There's an angel that's going to go ahead of us. Let's go tear it up, man. Let's go get our, come on, let's go. Let's go. And listen to what they did. But the men who went up with him said, we are not able to go against the people for they're stronger than we are. And they gave a bad or an evil report of the land. And then they told how everybody's there. The giants are big and we we were grasshoppers in our own sight and we were grasshoppers in their sight. And the Bible calls that an evil heart of unbelief. Over two, two million people believed what they saw. And I would tell you that it would have been absolutely a normal feeling to say, are you serious? Are you crazy? But Joshua and Caleb said, don't rebel against God. Do you understand that when what I see with my eyes governs my life, rather than what God says about me, God calls it rebellion. Not being honest. I'm just being honest with how I feel. You're not called to be honest with how you feel. You're not called to deny feelings. That's nonsense. You're called to look at feelings and say, you will not be my God. Look at what you see and say, you didn't die for me on a cross. Let God be true and every man a liar. If God be for me, who can be against me? Greater is he that dwells in me than he that dwells in the world. He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for me. How shall he not with Jesus also freely give me everything? Faith demands that you believe the goodness and love of God. Unbelief says God will not be faithful in your tomorrow and you project his absence. Faith says... I don't care what I feel, God is faithful. And you see the faithfulness of God in your tomorrow, no matter what it looks like. And so many people are praying for God to change everything around them instead of realizing that the spirit of faith or choice of living in unbelief is not up to God. It's up to me and it's up to you. People have lived their lives today and and, and basically if you go to most Christians today, they have measured and Googled every giant that exists. We're experts on the giants. Can I tell you, measuring your giant won't get you in the promised land because you can't reason your way around giants because they're real. You're going to have to determine, is what God said going to govern my life about what it looks like? Our marriage is in the tanker. I don't love you anymore. I don't feel like I love you. I don't feel good. It might be very, it's real. He's an idiot. You don't understand. He might be. 
but you married him. Why'd you, why'd you do that? I was young and dumb. Oh God, I need another one. So, Nate, and I'm not against people. People go through stuff, but do you realize everywhere you go, there you are. You, you might be able to get away from a circumstance or an individual or a situation, but the next place you go, you're either going to live by faith or walk by how you feel. And you're going to have to make a decision in your life which is going to govern your life. And in the face of adversity, in the face of every feeling in me, to the contrary, I humble myself and I walk by faith and not by sight. When you do, it releases angel armies in your life. The greatest act of worship to God is to act on what he says and trust his love. It isn't a song. Worship isn't a song I sing. It's a life I live. And what Joshua and Caleb heard the children of Israel saying are things like this. God brought us out here to kill us. Our kids are going to be captured and made slaves. They're going to steal and take our wives and make them concubines and mistreat them in every imaginable way. And they're going to kill all of us. And then they said, let's get a leader and let's go back to Egypt. You'll never have any problem finding leaders in the realm of sight. And most Christians today, instead of following what God says, they have found natural leaders in the natural realm that can tell you what to fight about. And all you're doing is just measuring giants. Giants love when you measure them. But these giants were terrified of the power of God. You find it out later, they were terrified because they knew what God did in Egypt. They were terrified. But the reality of it is God's people said, let's go back to Egypt. We're going to be made to be a prey out here like a wild animal eating a, a beast, a wild beast eating a lamb in the, in, the, in the wilderness. But Joshua and Caleb made a command. They said, don't rebel against God. You're, we're well able because he's faithful. My hope as we pray today and worship God together is that God the Holy Spirit helps you to move from what you can just see and move into a realm that is greater than what I feel and see. When I look at the, at, at the course of my life in Michelle's and I see what God has done and, and, and it's so easy for people to presume that this is that and this is, and they must, and I can promise you this. I look back now and I realize every step of obedience and I can't, I don't have time to give you examples, but there's more than than I can remember. That anybody with a brain who could do one plus one is two would have said, you're nuts, you can't do that. Except when we felt that and we did, hundreds of times over, we stopped and we said, we honor you, Lord. If we miss this, if we fail, then I'm fine with that. But I will not die in fear. I will not die leaving my generation to rot in an eternity without you because I was afraid to trust you and trust that you love people. And every step we took, we've seen heaven show up in ways to this day I was there and I have trouble believing it. He said we were, and this, he said, we were like them that dream and our mouths were filled with laughter. You are called to live in a realm that's unlimited with a God that desperately loves you. And that when you walk by faith and not by sight, the angel whose arms are at rest because of unbelief will be taken down and he will do the assignment over your obedience. And when I obey God, I don't care if it's relational, marriage, your kids, well, my kids, my kids will walk with God all the days of their life. I don't care what it smells and looks like. 
They will fulfill the plan of God for their life. Yeah, but you don't, I don't care what it looks like. Let God be true and every man a liar. I'm not denying my feelings. I'm just not worshiping them. And when you get the word of God in your heart and you begin to act on the word of God, you're going to experience the presence and power and resources of heaven that you can live and die and never taste one time. What a waste to live that way as a Christian. So I want to pray and worship together today. We order the service this way so I have time on the back end of the service to worship. We're, don't get in a hurry. Don't run out. Well, I need to go eat. If you're like me, you could probably miss a meal. Was that too blunt? See, skinny, skinny people can't say that, but those of us with a little chunk, we could say stuff like that. Don't get in a hurry. Because one moment in the presence of God where the Holy Spirit says something to your soul can change generations of misery if you'll believe it. What is God wanting to do through you that your obedience will release his power in the earth? That the enemies, if you will, are not people that we want to see defeated, but rescued. What will your life look like on the other side of the spirit of faith? And what will it look like if you live dominated by how you feel the rest of your life? I promise I can guarantee you this, that on the other side of this life, all of us will have longed to walk by faith and not by sight because God is faithful. God is faithful to 10,000 generations and he's not skipping this one. So whether you're here in the Cranberry campus at Newcastle, Meadville, or you're online, we're going to enter into the presence of the Lord in worship. Worship isn't a song. Worship is when I exalt God and enlarge him more than anything I feel, anything I see. Worship is when I say, God, you are faithful in my tomorrow. And I don't care what it looks like. You are the rescuer of my generation. There will be an outpouring of your presence in the earth. We will see people come to Christ by the tens of millions. Angel armies will break down walls that today would not hear the gospel. And we will bring the gospel and people will come to Christ. And this world will be rescued. That's what a Christian needs to be saying today. Oh, the Lord's going to return any day now. It's over. It's not over. That's nonsense. It's a lie. It's going in the shadow of a giant and saying, you win. I give. Don't live that way. Don't give a spirit of unbelief to anybody around you. Lead in faith and trust him. His grace is more than sufficient. So let's stand together at all of our campuses. Let's worship God together. Let him move in your heart. Lift your hands as an act of surrender as we now worship. We worship you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Victory Family Church. If you enjoyed listening, please take a moment to rate, review, and share. For more resources, including locations and service times, please visit lifeatvictory.com.